0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The number of children in Los Angeles County hospitalized with COVID jumped nearly 190% last month. Despite the spike in infections, school is back in session next week for the hundreds of thousands of students who attend the LA Unified School District. But before they head back to campus, they'll need to make sure they're COVID negative under a new order. KCRW's Tara Atrian has more.
3: All LAUSD students and staff members must be tested for COVID before they resume in-person learning after winter break. The change means that K-12 students will be starting the spring semester a day late on Tuesday, January 11th to accommodate the new testing requirements. Students and staff are able to get tested at sites specifically designated by LA Unified. If they can't access those district locations, they must either get PCR or antigen test results and upload them onto the LAUSD's daily pass system no later than Sunday. District officials will also consider changes to their COVID safety plan this week. That includes possibly instituting more frequent mandatory COVID testing for students and staff and enforcing a booster requirement for all employees by April 1st. The rules follow an explosion of COVID cases across LA County, prompting stricter protocols for schools, including around masking. For the California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles.
0: While students in the Los Angeles Unified have a week before returning to class, millions of other kids across the state have already started back up this week, and parents are scrambling to get their children tested. Late last month, Governor Gavin Newsom ordered six million at-home rapid COVID-19 tests that students could use before returning to school, but only about half have been delivered. The state has said most have been delayed due to bad weather and shipping issues across the country. The delays have led many school districts to increase in-person testing capacity for students. Some, like Burbank Unified in Southern California, considered delaying the start of school, but ultimately the school board decided to reopen as scheduled yesterday. One of the most powerful labor advocates in the California legislature announced a surprise departure yesterday. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon has more.
2: Democratic Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez announced her abrupt resignation during the first hour of session in the new year. She's leaving the Assembly to work with the California Labor Federation, which advocates for 1,200 unions across the state. The opportunity to serve in this capacity doesn't come up but every few decades. And as I think you all know, serving working Californians is my singular priority. Gonzalez has authored dozens of envelope-pushing labor laws, such as a requirement that companies reclassify most contract workers as employees, and a new law meant to crack down on Amazon warehouse quotas. The San Diego Democrat recently completed breast cancer treatment. She'll lead the Labor Federation in July when longtime chief Art Pulaski retires. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento.
0: And another farewell by an elected official. Central Valley Republican Congressman Devin Nunes has officially retired after nearly two decades in Congress. KQED Central Valley reporter Alex Hall has more on what's next for his district and the special election that will decide who serves out the remainder of Nunes' final term.
3: Nunes submitted his official notice of retirement on Saturday, New Year's Day.
4: The Honorable, the Speaker, House of Representatives.
3: In a letter to Speaker Nancy Pelosi that was read aloud on the House floor Monday, Nunes wrote he had notified Governor Newsom of his resignation.
4: It has been the honor of my life to represent the people of California's San Joaquin Valley for the last 19 years.
3: Newsom has two weeks to call a special election in California's 22nd district. That hasn't happened yet, but so far, a handful of local politicians in the Central Valley have already said they either plan to or are considering a run for the seat. Nunes announced in early December he was leaving Congress for a job as head of President Trump's new media company. The Fresno County Registrar of Voters says the special election could cost Fresno taxpayers up to $1.3 million. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno.
0: What should we expect to see happen in Sacramento this year? We talked about that with Anthony Rendon, the Speaker of the California State Assembly, who's a Democrat. So,
4: Mr. Speaker, what do you want to see accomplished this legislative year in Sacramento? Quite a bit. I mean, obviously, we know there's incredible problems with housing, the housing market and homelessness in this state. So we're definitely co- going to continue working on housing. We have a new housing chair this year, uh, Assemblymember Buffy Wicks, and looking forward to, to her service in that role. Climate action. And then obviously, we know there's tremendous income and, and health disparities In the state, we saw those sort of multiplied because of COVID. We're going to continue to to work on that as well. And one of the ways of doing that is making sure we're we're boosting our economy.
0: The governor is going to unveil his proposed state budget in the
4: coming days. Um, What should be in it? I think what should be in it is making sure that we're addressing the needs of the most vulnerable Californians. We know that a lot of Californians have had an exceptionally difficult time, particularly through COVID. We need to make sure that we're you know, investing in those families and, and whether it's early childhood education, whether it's things like EITC, Earn Income Tax Credit Program. We need to make sure that those programs are well funded because those are the folks who, who most badly need our help. I want to talk about the legislature itself for a moment. Um, there's a lot of churn
0: happening in it now. Uh, this is an election year, and many elected officials will be running in new areas because of redistricting. Many incumbents have announced they won't be seeking to run again, or that they're just going to be leaving for other jobs. Uh, most recently, Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez of San Diego, who just announced she's going to be leaving the Assembly to head the California Labor Federation. Uh, taken all together, what does does this mean for the management of the state legislature
4: it's good and bad i mean from a personal perspective uh, these are friends these are friends i've known for a a long time and uh, ms gonzalez and i got elected in 2012 um so you know we we've been through a lot together there is to an extent some institutional memory that's lost and and that's that's a shame but at the same time, I mean, we're a caucus of 60 strong, or at least we were before recent resignations. We're now a caucus, I think, of about 56 strong. Um, there's a tremendous amount of talent in, in our body. So this provides new opportunities, new chairmanships uh, for a lot of members. And I think, you know, those new perspectives are, are, are interesting to have someone just, for example, Eduardo Garcia is the new chair of utilities. He comes from a district that's very unique, the Coachella Valley all the way down to the Mexican border, all the way across uh, to the Arizona border. Very unique topography, very unique district. To have him in the role of utilities chair, I think speaks to a different uh, part of California. It's very different than the Bay Area, very different than Los Angeles, very different than San Diego. And I think uh, making sure that those voices are sort of part of the chorus here uh, in the assembly is incredibly important.
0: And finally, Mr. Speaker, what do you say to the Californians listening who are just really concerned about the state of the state? I mean, they point to a third of Californians living at or near poverty, home prices that continue to go up and up, a homeless crisis that just seems to grind on I can go on about other topics. Do you think we're fundamentally making inroads into the big problems that most concern Californians?
4: I think we're trying to address those problems, and i I always uh, I always say if if we hadn't done the th- like earlier, I talked about spending twelve billion dollars over two years on on homelessness. What would the homeless crisis look like if we weren't being aggressive, if we weren't pursuing big policy ideas? So uh, for us, we're going to continue to be ambitious, and we're going to continue to be ambitious because we know the problems, as you said, are, are profound. All right. That is Anthony Rendon, Speaker of the California
0: State Assembly. Thanks so much for joining us on the California Report.
4: Appreciate it. Take care.
0: And tomorrow we'll hear the perspective of a top Republican in Sacramento, the leader of the Republican caucus in the state Senate, Scott Wilk.
2: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse golden state. Because what happens in California changes
4: the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now.
2: KQED's California Report Magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Deveta from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained.
0: Let's turn to education and dollars. A state lawmaker wants to change how schools are funded. He says the proposal would lead to an additional $3 billion a year for school districts. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño reports.
2: State Senator Anthony Portantino's SB 830 would fund schools based on how many students are enrolled instead of how many show up for class, and would guarantee no district receives less funding under the new system. Portantino says the state budget surplus creates an opportunity to act.
4: We know that the pandemic has had longstanding impacts on student achievement and mental health. We want to make sure that as we come out of it and as the state has the resources, we're going to invest it in our most precious resource, which is the young people, our children, our neighbor's children, and children across the state of California.
2: California is one of only six states that rely on average daily attendance, or ADA, rather than enrollment to determine funding. California School Employees Association President Shane Dishman says that disadvantages schools in lower-income communities where absenteeism rates tend to be higher.
0: The truth is attendance-based funding punishes students in schools that most need the state's financial support.
2: Tying funding to attendance has been touted as a way to hold schools accountable for absenteeism. To address those concerns, this legislation would require schools to spend at least half the additional funding to address student absences. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño.
0: A judge in San Francisco has signaled he may be willing to extend Pacific Gas and Electric's federal court probation beyond its scheduled end later this month. KQED's Dan Brecky reports. U.S. District Judge William Alsup oversees PG&E's probation for a 2016 conviction connected to the San Bruno gas pipeline disaster. Alsup has used the five-year term of probation to try to force the utility to improve the safety of its electrical network, even as PG&E power lines have continued to ignite one devastating fire after another. Alsup expressed frustration with that record during a probation hearing yesterday. He told federal prosecutors he'd be willing to consider extending the probation if they ask him to do so. PG&E has argued that federal law bars the judge from adding on to its sentence, but prosecutors say the law on the question is unclear. They told Alsup yesterday they will advise him later this week on how they'll proceed. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky. Over 24,000 residents in Nevada, Placer, and El Dorado counties are still without power this morning, more than a week after massive snowstorms pounded the region. With more, here's KQED's Chloe Veltman.
2: According to PG&E, the outage has affected around 375,000 customers across their entire service area, many of whom have been snowed in without access to light, communications and heat. Longtime Grass Valley resident Brian Terhorst is a wheelchair user who uses a ventilator to breathe. He's been through power outages before, but this one has been different. One, because I wasn't able to leave the property and two, because it was
4: cold so, yeah, it's it's high stress.
2: A spokesperson for the Nevada County Sheriff's Office says all county-maintained roads are now open to at least one lane of traffic. Local authorities plan to review events once things are back to normal with a view to improving response times and resources. For The California Report, I'm Chloe Veltzman.
0: And finally, the tributes are still pouring in after actress Betty White died last week at the age of 99. And the latest honor from L.A.'s food scene is handheld, simple, and a nod to White's love of animals. Pink's Hot Dogs in Hollywood this week will be selling their so-called Betty White Naked Hot Dog. 100% of the proceeds from their sale will go to the L.A. Zoo, according to the restaurant's owner, Richard Pink. She was a big supporter of the L.A. Zoo, and we so admired that. And Betty was a good customer at Pink's, and we so appreciated that. And Pink told KCRW in Santa Monica that she liked her hot dog, Simple, and that's where the name came from. Whenever I asked her, well, what do you want on it? She says, I don't want anything on it. I just want beef in a bun. That's it. That's how I like it. I said, great. And then she would say to me, and you can tell everyone, that Betty White gets naked at Pink's. The fundraising will take place through January 9th at the original Pink's Hot Dogs on La Brea near Melrose. I think I'll be going myself for a dog. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, January 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a good morning.
1: Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com.